This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated podcast. Happy New Year, everybody. The first one of 2014. And for the occasion, joined, as always, uh, by my co-host, Brian Salmon. How's it going? Happy New Year. Thanks to you, too. I'm, I'm here straight from NPR, ready to go. <laughs> is that right? And uh, joining us uh, is our boss, the editor-in-chief of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, Kevin McElvaney. How's it going, Kevin? Boo. I'm good. Uh, that was me booing me, not booing being on the show. <laughs> Uh, Brian, great job on the NPR uh, stuff, by the way. I yeah, thank you. yesterday. Thank you. I, I wasn't sure how it was going to go. I was a little nervous because it's, you know, a, ma- a mainstream outlet. It's not wrestling people. And, you know, I was worried they were going to take some cheap shots and things. And But I think it went OK. Yeah. And um, the last time we actually all saw each other was in person, you know, uh, oddly. And uh, I knew Kevin might be there. I didn't know Brian was I didn't know Brian was there the entire show until the end yeah. of the show and Kevin pointed him out to me. Okay. And I noticed Kevin because Kevin was right by us and some guy just starts like climbing over a row and I don't know if it was my wife or my buddy. He's like, what's this guy doing? And then I turn over I'm like, oh that's Kevin <laughs> <laughs> some big clumsy guy, yeah. It was it was Brian was easy to spot because he was one of the only people wearing a blazer. Uh, well I knew I was going to be at the scrum, so I, you know, I I don't normally go to wrestling shows wearing a blazer. I want to make okay. that clear. It's okay. You looked good. I like to wear blazers, but not to wrestling shows, but, you know. And Brian I, had the best seats uh, of all of us for, for what's that worth. And and me, who lives 15 minutes from uh, the, the Coliseum. That's uh, because me well, and Adam Hopkins are just like this. That's why. But yeah. Yes, and and uh, yeah, Adam Hopkins, a great guy. I think he might come up a little bit later in this conversation. And I'll just say at the end of the night, my thought was, poor Adam Hopkins. <laughs> I, that did cross my head. Adam yeah. kind of saved the day with with something that we might get to uh, yeah. later. And it, and it shows you, I think, uh, Adam is a pro. That's as much as I'll say. Uh, anyhow, we, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, we were all together because we attended World's End um, here on Long Island, Nassau Coliseum, so if I say. I got home a lot faster than, than you guys, um, and I was home at, at 2.30, so I didn't want to know what time you guys uh, got back, <laughs> uh, but have our thoughts on, on the show and just kind of the overall experience, and I think, you know, what it left us thinking about uh, AEW going into uh, 2024, uh, and I think it's kind of a mixed bag. There's some stuff to be excited about, some stuff that maybe um, not so much, um, some very serious uh, real-world news um, in, in AEW that we'll touch on uh, as well. Uh, we would be remiss if we not, did not talk about kind of the biggest story coming out of um, the last week, which is um, the, the Rock showing up on Raw and making what I think is the, the clearest indication to date that he intends to return and uh, wrestle uh, Roman Reigns. When, where, um, you know, we, we could speculate. You'd think WrestleMania would be the time and place, but but pretty clearly... Uh, and that's some of the irony of this is that the the one time that they they do plan way ahead um, for for WrestleMania is the time that they get this monkey wrench thrown in. And I think part of the conversation, Brian, is something we've talked about uh, a lot. Is it it makes you again revisit some of the um, decision making from uh, a year ago 
at uh, WrestleMania 39. Um, so we'll talk about that and um, a lot more. There's news coming out of Impact, which officially returns to TNA this weekend, New Japan. Um, I think we all want to talk a little bit about our thoughts on uh, the Iron Claw, which I think by now we've all seen. So we will do that. Um, before we get to all that, let's talk about Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I don't have my copy of, uh, I don't know if you... That oh, first I wish I did. <laughs> Yeah, just as well, because uh, by the time people, well, when, when is the new issue coming out, which is the year in wrestling? The digital edition of the year in wrestling is coming out uh, a week from this Thursday. So that would be the 18th, I believe. Uh, yeah, the 18th. And then it'll hit newsstands on February 6th. So subscribers will, of course, as usual, be getting it somewhere in the middle of those two dates. Okay, so spoiler free. Even though I know some stuff's out there now, AEW. Oh uh, yeah, so so uh, we uh, did review. Well, AEW revealed, but it was in conjunction with AEW uh, that FTR is the tag team of the year. Um, I th- I think I I'm comfortable revealing one of our Stanley Weston Award winners, um, and that is in a lot of ways long overdue. But he's been active uh, on and off for all these years. So, uh, drumroll. Uh, Sting, Sting is going to be the the one of the two recipients of the Stanley Weston Award this year. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's of course winding down a storied career, and that's going to be you know about two months from when we're recording this at Revolution. So, I think it's it's very much deserved. We're not really in the habit of giving this award to active wrestlers, but given that he's just about to retire, I think that's an exception that can be made. Yeah, timing couldn't be uh, more perfect. What what else is there? Uh, obviously, uh, all the awards, wrestler of the year, match of the year. Uh, uh, any thought? Again, spoiler free. Uh, do, do you expect um, you know different than the five hundred? If it, they if if fans complain, they can only you know look at themselves because they made these decisions. Were you surprised by any of these picks, Kevin? Um. Yes, I was by a couple of them. Um, spoiler free. It's it's kind of hard to give it away, but the most improved wrestler of the year really surprised me. Um. I think if I say too much about why it'll give away who it is, but I, I, you know, am of course counting all these ballots, but also putting together things like, uh, the shortlist and, uh, you know, you put people on the shortlist for different reasons. And sometimes you think, oh, this person deserves a mention on here, but I, I don't know how many votes they're going to get. Sometimes that's somebody you don't list at all. And they yeah. just start getting a ton of votes. I'm like, in some cases, it's uh, oh, you know, they really could have been on the short list, and other times, it's well, I'm not really sure what people's rationale is here, and it's not quite the latter, but it is, um, yeah, that's the biggest surprise. So I, I think when people see that, I think people are also going to be surprised by match of the year. I wasn't really surprised by match of the year, but I think the internet will be surprised because social media folks tend to have, and I say this as if almost everybody isn't on social media, but you know we'll say it like you know wrestling twitter uh, wrestling reddit that sort of thing they have very uh, different ideas of what a match of the year is sometimes than what our readers do sometimes the two line up um but not i don't think this year but i think our match of the year is terrific and it was one of my favorites and i don't know what it is and i don't know brian do you know no no No. so actually jason did most of the writing this year just he was like me he was was kind of at home sick for a lot of the the cold weather so he was just sort of working on it while everyone else uh i guess was you know trying to get, get ready for the holiday season i didn't want to interject too much of course it's you with your kids and jason has kids too but he was homesick so it was 
Brian, 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 all the work. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> what would you guess it is, Brian? Match of the year? Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that in my head, but I didn't want to accidentally say what it really was. It would be a spoiler because we don't know. So. I know, but but you I'll know, try and I, have a poker. Face. I don't know how good Kevin's poker face. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you what my guess is. I'm gonna guess uh, MJF and and Brian Danielson, the uh, the Iron Man man. Oh, you know what? Yes, actually, yes. I, I would I would guess that too. Well, I mean, the only reason I would guess that is because that would have been my pick. That's not necessarily to say that that would be the one that I think would win, but I think in my opinion, that was probably it, or at least it was the best one I saw all year. The the other one um, that would be, and I don't know how much of this would be my pick or, or what people would, would uh, what I would expect people to pick. It would certainly be near the top, or my pick would be um, Usos and Kevin Owen and Sami Zayn at, at WrestleMania. Maybe not necessarily bell to bell, but... The, the emotion of it, yeah. Yeah, I mean that, that that actually might be my number one. I could uh, I could see that one. I could see that too. There's always a few really good options. I think you know. I mean uh, that it could go either way with a bunch. But I think I think that Iron Man one was probably the one that impressed me the most. There's something else too that I'm thinking of. I'll see if I could come up. Oh, with Omega it. and Osprey, right? Um, That's a great one. Kingdom was a, a big one. You know, yeah, it was a fine year for uh, for for matches. Uh, uh, Kevin, uh, I think this is also would be spoiler free, but in terms of of, of representation, is it um, a, a good mix? Um, does one comp company uh, really dominate uh, this year? There's a lot of WWE. Um, okay, uh, no, I mean, probably. but there are but there's W there are winners from WWE uh, from AEW. There's a there's one winner from Impact. Um, so it's, it's, it's an interesting mix. And I think, uh, WWE as given the year they've had, um, how lauded the product has been on top of the, the, cause it, it, here's the thing with WWE, like, you know, we talk about how much money they're making like hand over foot. They've been making money for years. They, they, you know, they were doing very well, even during periods that were creatively bankrupt, according to a lot of us, right. You know, like periods that were really just tough to watch they were still doing really well because it's, it's a big business and they're figuring out ways to make money. But this year, I think they've had a combination of, you know, the business is good from some of the, the strategic moves they've made, uh, you know, the merger and international shows and all these other things. But you also have this year where the product is a lot better and you yeah. have people are enjoying it more and people are attending live events more than they were. And, uh, I think there's genuine buzz around it. Uh, to me, it's not surprising that they would sort of start to take back more of the 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 share of the awards. I mean, we this is a reversal from a couple of years ago where we had AEW win outside of the Independent Wrestler of the Year. I think they won all but one award. Um, yeah. And everyone thought, oh, it's fixed, it's fixed. But then, of course, as you know, as soon as it changes back, oh, it's not fixed again. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, no, I mean, it, it's, uh, and I think we'll get more into it. I think it's the story of of AEW's twenty twenty three, which is, you know, in in, in baseball, they call it a, a rebuilding year, right? I mean, and that's yeah. kind of what it felt like. And I feel like maybe twenty twenty four, we might be in for even even more of that. Um, yeah. When we look at some of the change in, in who the players are. Uh, uh, near the top, and you know, some hits and some misses. Um, so, uh, obviously, we got wrestler of the year, match of the year, tag team of the year, woman of the year, right? Is woman of the year back? Because uh, we lost it. Is there was there's a lot of uh, so my thought when I first came on was this feels like sort of an antiquated category between the name and the fact that there are women in the running for all these other categories. 
there was backlash against it. So I, Hey, like it was, it was a mistake to get rid of it. Um, I think some people still bristle a little bit at the fact that it's included, but the, the uh, response to it being gone was far more robust and generally from people who've been reading the magazine a long time. And, the, and they come from a place of not uh, like certainly not a place of anti-woman or anti-feminist or whatever. It's just, it's more, um, this is a classic category, but also even if women don't do well in these other categories, there will be a category where they can be showcased, which is, you know, yeah. I think the best case you can make for uh, a specific category for women here. Right. Right. Uh, rookie most improved. I'm trying to remember all of them and correct me if I'm uh, independent anymore. wrestler of the year faction of the year, the newer faction, one, one, which I really like uh, feud. Are we still doing feud? Yep. Feud. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, and, and it, it's not just most inspirational. Award. I don't know if you said that one. Yep. Yep. Comeback is comeback. Still one. Yep. Yep. So, uh, you know, it, it is one of the big ones uh, of the year, if not the biggest of the, of the year. So go out and get it. And obviously, besides the awards, we've got um, a look back on the whole year title changes. Um, yeah. The top 10 stories of the year that the Harry and I put together are so much more an absolutely packed issue coming out next week. Um, get ahead of everybody and get over to PWI-online.com and subscribe now. So you'll have it delivered right to your door. And I could add a, 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 another uh, incentive if someone subscribes. Um, and of course you have to do this before, you know, before it comes out to guarantee you get it. Sometimes if it's right after the digital on sale, you'll still get it. But it, this is another one of the XL issues. So it's got the 96 pages. Um, right. And uh, on top of that, you know, a slightly elevated cover price for newsstand buyers, but subscribers get it. No extra charge. I think it's also about um, the cover. Do we have wrestlers holding flats? We do have wrestlers holding plaques. I can't say anything else about the cover. <laughs> okay. Are I'll they wearing what? are they wearing red PWI t-shirts? <laughs> <laughs> Not this year, no. Oh, damn. I have to uh I think when it comes out, I might post uh I just got my hands on my daughter found it for me at an antique shop, some old wrestling magazines, and one of them is Sports Review Wrestling from 1981 when they had the 1980 year-end awards, because I guess they didn't start doing it in PWI maybe for a few years into it, but it was in Sports Review Wrestling, and, you know, it's got Bob Backlund, Wrestler of the Year, and, you know, uh, Bruno Sammartino versus Larry Zabisco, Match of the Year. It's just really cool. It's a great cover, and I'll share it when uh, when the new issue comes out, I think. Yeah, it's one of those that you always go back to, you know, if you're a collector, so... Uh, definitely uh, one of the temple issues when you want to have. So head on over to pwi-online.com. You can still pick up the current issue, which includes the uh, Tag Team 100, uh, Brian's interview with Tony Storm, and uh, so much more. Uh, all right, let's let's talk some current events. Let's talk um, our experience at, at World's uh, End. I can kick it off. I had a good time, you know. Um, I, I think I, I went in there... Um, I, I want to be diplomatic here, right? Uh, I, I think we, we've been clear about some issues I have uh, with the product. My thought on AEW recently is that th they have put such a, a priority and a premium on athletic wrestling, essentially on, on work rate, um, sometimes to the detriment of uh, what I think should be other priorities uh, in, in the company. And I'll say... At the end of the night, they did nothing to change my opinion about that, which is to say I kind of got the show I expected to get, which was a fun show, a good show. I mean, the wrestling was was really good. I, I enjoyed the heck out of, uh, of Adam Copeland and 
uh, Christian until the, the botched uh, finish. Um, uh, uh, Eddie and uh, this might be a whole different discussion, but I'll absolutely, I don't know that we ever talked about it that much, but I'll absolutely eat my words in as much as um, I was very much uh, kind of a second guesser about the Continental Classic. And I think it was a huge success. You know, I think they really pulled it off. I think it was um, a, a, a it built to a real climax. And I think they've got a winner on their hands with um, not just Eddie, but but with the Continental Classic uh, format, which was a, a rating success for good for them. I, I mean, I think that was really one of the high points of um, the pay-per-view. You know, I got a question taking the title off of MJF on, on Long Island. The way they did the, the the finish, the payoff of Adam Cole, a lot of it was kind of disjointed, especially given that Cole can't wrestle, you know, soon. So um, it certainly left the the crowd uh, a flat. Uh, but I know that you you know it's about more than the live audience. So in some ways, my perspective is going to be uh, a little biased there, being on Long Island for the show. So certainly a downer. Uh, but but again, generally, I, I had a good time. I think there's a whole other discussion to be had about the, the scrum where I very much did not have a good time. Um, and, and this might speak to sort of this whole trend of, of, of scrums after wrestling, and I'm not sure how I feel about them. Uh, but but you guys, what, what was your experience uh, at Worlds? At? I guess I'll go to, to Brian first. Well, I, I enjoyed the show. I think it was, you know, it's a, it was a good crowd, and I think – Crowds can help to to buoy a show. I mean, it really does help. Uh, it was uh, it looked like a sellout or close to it, which was really nice to see because you hear all these stories now and the photos and things that we see of like how they're having trouble drawing, but they didn't have trouble drawing on that night, and that was not Wembley Stadium. I mean, that was you know New York. <clears throat> Excuse me. I haven't seen the Coliseum that that full for a wrestling show in a yeah. long. Yeah. And it and it gave energy to the show. I felt like uh, the people that were out there and that were really on their game, they were able to get the crowd response. Uh, the the matches you mentioned for sure. I also want to add to. I know it was out of nowhere and and it wasn't even supposed to happen, but I thought Swerve and Dustin Rhodes was was a very cool little match. Like you could just see somebody like like Dustin. He's such a pro that he could just make something out of nothing. And 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 the storytelling they did in that match. They really got the crowd going and Swerve is, you know, he's like lightning in a bottle. I mean, he's one, he's the, one of the handful of people and Tony Storm's another one. Sorry, Al, that actually really benefited by leaving WWE and going there. And it didn't seem like it was going to be that way with Swerve. I thought when he showed up, it really fell flat for me. I was like, oh, this is going to be a disaster. It, it just didn't have any juice to it. But boy, was I wrong. I mean, he's somebody that I'm thinking in my head they they should think about putting the belt on. Honestly, I agree. But, yeah, but it was it was a it was a good show. I agree with you about the main event. It felt you know what it felt like a very WWE thing to do mm -hmm. to to kill the crowd dead like that in their Not hometown. This WWE. Not this. WWE. No, not that like like what we think of as that frustrating like like almost passive aggressive to the audience yeah. kind of thing, because it was, um, I understand that he's hurt and he probably needs to take time off desperately. There's other ways to do it. It doesn't have to be on this show. Even if you do it on this show, you could have him really get screwed over in a, in a way that really leaves the door open. Whereas this was a pretty clean finish. It, uh, Samoa Joe really convincingly won this match. So, I mean, it was a weird choice to me to end the show that way, but it's happened before. Yeah, how about you, Kevin? Um, overall, I like the show. The, yeah, the, the 
finish to it was, I mean, you can't say anticlimactic because it was a big finish, but it was, yeah, I was, I, I think if you're going to do the reveal of the devil and the henchmen and you're going to have Joe win, I think, especially given that, you know, there's a connection between the two, given the, the thank you for doing business message that flashed up on screen before connect them then too. I, I understand why maybe you want your Joe's. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a weird choice to to. For, I mean, I guess in their mind, they they, they sort of did with with Adam um, hesitating with uh, finding something. Yeah, that was weak. He didn't. He he. Even you know, if I guess we can read that that was on purpose. You know that he didn't right. want to hurt, but he didn't help him cheat. That that's not the same as costing somebody a match. Like if he's able to win the match, he shouldn't need the ring. And he's right. you know, this baby face now, even if he's the scumbag baby face. So, no, I mean, they weren't, the line wasn't drawn between them. And, you know, it doesn't have to be so heavy handed all the time, but I think it was a strange choice. And I get that they want Joe to look strong, but, you know, there are ways to do that too. You can have the devil interfere. You have Joe hit his finisher right after, you know, like there's, what? you'll still get the, the visual of, uh, you know, this was a funky finish and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, you know, straightforward and, and, uh, above board, but you have uh, this situation where MJF loses and then the crowd's like, wow, we didn't expect that at all. And then, and then the devil reveal happens and it was predictable, but I think it was ultimately the right choice. Um, And then, you know, it made sense with everything else that was done for the most part, Um, you know, to do it right after. And I get why you had to do it right after, but those is two separate events. I think you connected them a little more. It would have been fine. Uh, you know, apart from that, I think the the crowd at one point was uh, very uh, stacked against a certain wrestler who was coming in as a babyface for reasons away from the ring. So that yes. kind of made things that kind of made things awkward for a while because it essentially ruined that one match. And I I completely get why it happened. I um, almost think like they maybe shouldn't have even done that match. They or, shouldn't have done the match, or, or they should have pulled him from the match. We're talking about Chris Jericho. Yeah, yeah the six, Chris Jericho. And I mean, you six. could have done it with a storyline. You know, you could have had him get jumped backstage or allude to the fact that he got jumped backstage think, or something. Because, um, and I honestly, even him, he himself should have said, I'm, you know, he should have volunteered that, honestly. Because you think about the other workers in the match and you're putting them in this awful spot and you could tell, you could just tell that they were really thrown off, Ricky Starks and Big Bill, like they were just off their game and yeah. can't blame them. I mean, the whole rhythm of the match was like thrown out of whack. Um, it probably wasn't the best given what was going on that night to, to put him out there. So it's also interesting to me and it, and it speaks volumes about the differences between the audience. Cause I mean, I'll ask you guys this. Do you think that a similar reaction would have happened with a WWE crowd? Cause I feel like they're not as yeah. online or tuned in. Like not to I that extent. I, think I don't think they would have known what was even going on or why there was a problem. This, and, this crowd really think- was. Yeah, and I don't think they expected uh, they being Tony Khan, Chris Jericho, um, these fans to be um, as knowledgeable about it as they were, and and not that it was even half the arena. I don't think, but it was, it was enough to make a noise. Up. Yeah, I I think it was easily half the arena. Al, that was really that was very yeah, loud. Otherwise, the yeah. other the other half of the arena was not doing its job. You know. If, yeah, and I, I think that they're meant to cheer for they, that team. Yeah, they just made the. Um, the, the the calculated decision, the incorrect calculated decision that this was not as big a story as, as um, they they thought it would be, and uh, I, I get like the PR side of this is a little tricky because if if you yes. cancel the match or you pull him, 
does that make it a bigger story? You know, um, does it suggest some that you have something to be ashamed of? I I mean, if and and I'm not saying it is, but if it is truly a non-story, complete fabrication, nonsense, um, then you can argue that the thing to do is just to go uh, along business as usual. So maybe they thought that was the move. I think that was the logic. But anyway, I'm sure we'll get into this a little more. I don't want to dwell on it too much because we have so much to cover here today uh, apart from AEW. But um, I will say apart from that, the, you know, those two things, I mentioned those up front because those were my biggest criticisms. Um, I really enjoyed the show apart from that. I thought it was really good. I think uh, as you said, Al, the continental classic wrapped up really well. Um, And I think it's an argument for when it's done right. And in a way that makes sense, that sports-based presentation, especially because you had, you know, early on when Eddie put these, title belts up i thought i shouldn't have thought it makes sense in retrospect that he won but i thought oh this is a really stacked field there's no way he's getting through it and keeping these belts that's a shame he just got that ring of honor title belt not that long ago you know with the new japan a strong open weight title as well um but you know it'll still be a good good tournament and then when it became clear that it was going to be him in the final you know okay well he could he has to win this now because not only did he put these belts up He's the guy who, you know, in tears tells you how about how he grew up watching all Japan and it saved his life. And, you know, it was a dream of his to get to Japan to win the, the triple crown championship. It was the only way to end it, but they did it in a way where they, you know, I mean, he's in there with Moxley. If anybody is going to beat him and nobody's, you know, nobody's going to ever question a finish where John Moxley wins, you know? So it's just, uh, it was really well done. Very emotional. Uh, I think there was a lot else to like on the show. Most of the, the wrestlers were getting the intended response were, you know, had the crowd behind them or against them as, as desired. Um, Swerve is making an exception. Because yeah. He, yeah. That uh, was a weird so part of that match. Were, yeah. I don't think they had anything against Dustin normally, but he would get booed because he was, you know, uh, up against Swerve. Um, I, was, I also wonder if he gets a bad reaction because of his connection to Cody, you know? Maybe, but I, I I don't know that I've heard it to this extent on other shows. I, I think that crowd just loves Swerve, and I mean broadly the AEW crowd. And I I I would go further than saying I think they then I think they should consider putting the belt on him. I think that is the plan. It's just a question yeah. of when. Um, he's certainly being positioned for it. He was very protected in the Continental Classic tournament. He's been winning every other match he's had since then. You know, with the I, I think he had one loss in the tournament. If we don't count the Triple Threat fin- final right. uh, or semifinal. Um, yeah, I think he's being positioned. I don't know when, you know, I, I, I could see Joe having the belt for a bit. You have to have a way that makes sense to put the two of them up against each other, especially if you're running with swerve as a heel for now. Yeah. But I think it's just a matter of time. I mean, you never know. I'm sorry. I think it might be someone in between, whether it's Brian Danielson or something like that. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Hangman. There's lots of possibilities. I think based on the show and the match, you would never know that he was supposed to be the heel. Sure. uh, Which was. We were all sitting in the same section, and well, but he wrestled like a heel, though, Brian. I there, mean, he, the there crowd was take right. it. No, no, that's what I mean. Like they were doing their best. They really, when I say that Dustin's a pro and all that, and he's he's great. Um, it was he was working full on heel, and Dustin yeah. was doing everything in his power to be this like underdog. You know, like oh, how could you leave him alone? God, leave him alone. He's you know he, he's a legend. What are you doing? And the crowd was having none of it. Yeah. Uh, there was a gentleman in our section who was very, shall we say, very passionately against Dustin Rhodes. Oh, I heard those chants. Yeah, that, in, that. in some very colorful language. 
Um, I just thought it, it to me, I have this uh, from what I've from being in AEW crowds and even watching the show. I feel like more than other fan bases, it's like they really do. They have the people they like and the people they don't like. And it's almost like the booking is irrelevant. Like they're just going to cheer and boo for the people that they want to. And you can't change their mind no matter what happens. They just like who they like and they love Swerve. They love him as a heel. So they cheer for him, you know, and uh, I think. I think they're going to have to turn him. They're going to have to make him like that badass baby face officially, which is, you know, kind of like how they were treating him anyway at the pay-per-view. How different would things have been if it was Keith Lee uh, in that match? And at this point, I mean, do, do we ever get it? Should they just really just kind of move on now and, and just sort of accept this as a, a cursed match that is never going to happen? I think maybe. I, I almost feel like when they when they booked it, and me and I, I can't be the only one. There were people thinking, like, didn't they do that? Oh no, wait a minute. No, they didn't. They were gonna do it, and then they didn't. And if they, and why are they doing it now? You know. So maybe um, it doesn't need to happen. I mean, he he seems to have. I feel bad for Keith Lee because I think like his momentum is just stopped cold. But um, it's not needed anymore. Like that was a match. I think that was going to be. Yeah. It might have been a blessing in disguise for him because imagine him getting the, the Dustin treatment and it might have been even more vicious for him. I think you're right, actually. I think he would have gotten that very negative response. Uh, I was thinking that actually while it was going on, I think it was just like it was it was almost it was partly I think the the Cody Dustin thing. I do get a sense as part of it, but I think partly it was whoever was in there with Swerve was going to be getting dumped on by the crowd for sure. Yeah, you could, yeah. you know, Keith Lee could also be positioned as a challenger for Swerve if he wins the belt later. Like that, maybe that's the way to go. You have a long way to go to get there. You know, well, he's going to need to recover. He's hurt. You know, it's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Same with MJF, really. Like it's. <laughs> yeah, I think that could be like a rampage main event or a, or a dynamite main yeah. event. Or, yeah, you know. Let, let Let's briefly talk about MJF now that you know we're we're at the end of his um, record setting a title reign. Some of some uncertainty about his future. This was, you know, the, the contract here that he had been building up to, and certainly he's teased going to WWE. I don't know how serious it, um, he is. At, at the very least, looks like he's going to be off of TV for some time, um, re recovering. W what do you um, think um, his future holds? Uh, uh, it is WWE a a real uh, possibility, and would it be a, a good move for him? And and I'll say. Uh, on on that uh with all these guys and, and and we've talked about this before and i think with some exceptions um i think this case with with a lot of people if not all i i do think the the goal at some point should be wb because there is a reality that 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 it is the big leagues in a way that even aw uh is not so um if only to check that box and you know test yourself I'd love to see MJF in WWE one day. That said, I don't know. He means so much. He means so much to um, uh, AEW. I, I, I'm i not convinced yet. I think WWE would value him. I'm not convinced yet that they would go all in on him in a way that AEW uh, has. I, I think they would look at him and say, oh, he's only whatever he is, 25. He's still got so much to learn. He doesn't whatever look at this camera properly. So and and he's got enough time that even if if he waits out a whole other contract cycle, you know, three years, five, he still has time to to one day show up at WWE and and make an impact. Um, so 
I, I'm okay with him staying where he is for now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I everybody was making a big thing out of how they took his name off the roster page, but I mean, they they they've done that before. I don't think that's any like ominous sign or anything of of, of his leaving. I do think WWE would be interested in him. I've heard that they are. I mean, he's one of the handful and Jade Cargill was another one and they got her. And I think, and I know this sounds petty and spiteful, but it's the wrestling business. I think another big motivator where they would want him is because they know it would hurt AEW yeah. very, very badly. I, and that that's just as important to them as what they would do with him. Um, he is, uh, he's a smaller guy and it doesn't come across as much in AEW because they have smaller guys on the roster. They're kind of a, what you might call a light heavyweight company sort of a thing. And I mean, Samoa Joe, notwithstanding as their world champion, but um, I think that might be accentuated more in WWE. Like, like it really hit home for me when he was at the iron claw premiere. Do you guys see those pictures? Mm -hmm. And he was posing Cena. with John Cena. And also he was posing with um, uh, Corbin and mm -hmm. He looked well, like real big. I know he is. I know he is, but he really looked like a child. You know, he looked <laughs> like he looked like a cruiserweight. And I think that might be a hurdle to get over. I mean, look, it, it could be gotten over. You know, he could be like an Eddie Guerrero or somebody like that. It didn't matter to him. But I think I think it's going to it's it would be like a startling visual to see him like face to face with some of these guys. And, you know, that you're thinking of these dream matches and these guys are like six inches taller than him or whatever. It, I mean, I know it sounds unimportant but it, it's that superficial stuff that they do care about so that might hurt him but i still think they're going to want him very badly yeah I, I'd, I'd like to see him over there eventually and i don't think that he goes over there as a top guy and i don't doubt that he'd have to prove himself um and and build himself up i think he'd be up for the challenge i think he'd see it as a challenge and um you know we've seen this throughout MJF's relatively brief career is you, you put something in front of him that he's not supposed to be able to to do and he knocks it out of the park. So mm -hmm. um I, I don't doubt that that he would see that at, as that that next big challenge. So I don't know if it happens uh now or not. Hey, Kevin, do you have any thoughts on, on MJF uh what happens to him? So I say this not reporting it, not with any inside information. I would be shocked if MJF has not at least already signed an extension. Yeah. I, I think especially given everything that happened last year where there was or was a 2022 i'm um the years are running together now but when uh yeah 2022 yeah um there i think if they were going to go all in on him to use their term uh the way they did they would want some kind of reassurance that he was sticking around for a while i think he i think the him him wanting an increase on his guarantee was legit and i'm sure he got it and why do you give someone a guarantee increase like that uh, without a little something in return, even if it's a couple of months. Um, and notably, you haven't heard the bidding war of 2024 stuff in forever. And that that's I, I get that he's a baby face now, but it was even before that. And I think I don't I don't even think it's because he's a baby face, because I think that line would get a positive reaction now from him. Um, but no, I think he's if he's not already signed a, a completely new contract, he's probably signed at least an extension. Um, will he be in WWE one day? Odds are everybody goes everywhere at some point. Yeah. You know? I, I don't I don't know that I agree with you, Al, that I, he has to go there. I think he makes sense there in a lot of ways because of the way he he is, the, the type of performer that he is. Um, I think increasingly there are more and more ways to make a good living and build up a respectable name there. 
I don't think it's a, a service to all the people in the past who never had good WWE runs to uh, to take that mindset forward. You know, even if it feels true now, I I I, I and maybe this is the optimist idealist in me. I think we've got to stop with that mindset because it that's where you have someone like a Dusty Rhodes, like a Nick Bockwinkle, like all these other like a Harley Race who either didn't go to WWE or had really kind of crappy underwhelming WWE runs looked at as second rate, you know, uh, when it's a different time, right? I mean, it's a different time, but you know, we, we have a a variation built up now where WWE is, you know, it's certainly by, by by leaps and bounds, the industry leader. Um, but there's so much else out there and there are ways to make a, a living. You have AEW as a company now where, for all the criticisms of it, it's five years in and, and Harry Burkett actually wrote for the, the, uh, you're in top 10 news stories. He talked about in some ways you could look at this as, wow, this is AEW's worst year, but how the hell could you say that? Cause they sold all the tickets they sold to Wembley, their, uh, ratings when you, uh, you know, were down for a bit, but especially when you account loss of, uh, cable TV households and all these other factors, they're actually doing very well. They've, they win in a lot of other metrics. The fact that they're still around after five years, still on cable television is a really positive sign. Uh, and then, you know, they're not even the only game in town. You have, you have uh, impact wrestling rebranded as TNA, which is now going to have reportedly more weight and resources behind it. You have people choosing to go to these places. You have people choosing to go to Japan. I, I think we have to, even if it's true right now, I think we got to stop talking about it like that. Cause it's, I think there's different ways to build your legacy now. I think that is all true. I think there's also just a reality of um, WWE as an operation, as how many eyeballs are are on it relative to everything, to to New Japan at its height, to WCW at its height. Um, it is a a different um, league. Well, WCW at its height had more eyeballs on it, though. Al, like it's smaller. It's small. The TV ratings are infinite. Yeah, but the whole business model is completely it, 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 it's hard to even com- compare the two. But, but you're talking about a mainstream product at that point where wrestling was a mainstream product. And yes. WWE back then was far greater in a lot of metrics, even though it's making more money now. It's a it's a different system. Yes. So, so, yes. I mean, it, yeah. it is all to say that there is a reality um, in the the difference in the size of an operation of of a WWE and everybody else. No question. And you're absolutely right that um you know it is not to say that you can only be a, a success or have a successful career if you are in WWE. Um but there is a reality that um you will only and I want to choose my my words carefully here. Um you, you you are more likely to to achieve a different level of notoriety um, working for WWE than than most everywhere else, and I think that's apparent from the, who are the top stars in in uh, AEW, um, w- with the exception of of MJF. It's a lot of ex WWE guys. That was another one of my big takes from from world's end was match after match after match. It was sure. loaded with a lot of, uh, ex WWE guys. And I know it's not the same as what like, uh, Dixie Carter era TNA, uh, did. And, um, AEW, um, certainly in the case of swerve and some others are, are maximizing, maximizing, uh, talent that, that was not used to its fullest extent, um, in, in WWE. But the reality is, you know, uh, Ed, they did Edge and Christian, you know, and and that was just a match of two WWE guys, and and there were others um, uh, throughout the night. Um, but th- this is all to say, 
you're, you're, look, if MJF and Kenny Omega is another a good example, Kenny Omega is a Hall of Fame wrestler who essentially never worked for WWE. So it is not. And I think of people like we could go here all day, you know, Bobby Eaton or something. These guys who had these incredible careers and right, sure. were, were not WWE stars. So, so uh, yes, you're you're absolutely. Um, right, but also I think you got to be realistic about th- there is a difference, and and again, and and I we've talked about a little bit like the uh, the, the shopping mall test, and the, the you know I'm sorry Eddie Eddie Kingston <laughs> walks through uh, a, a mall. Um, yes, the the smart fans, the AW fans are are going to gravitate to him. They're going to know who he is. Um, I'd say there is a good chance Eddie Kingston can walk through a mall unbothered. Um, and Cody Rhodes certainly cannot. Roman Reigns certainly cannot. I think like the, the, there's just a, a, a reality of the differences between those. There's also the benefit. There's always a benefit to moving around because it freshens you up. I mean, that's part of it too. It's like that. I think it would be like a whole reset button. I mean, that's a, that would be a good thing for him. Not that he's stale or anything, but it's helpful for people's career sometimes to go back and forth. Um, yeah. I, I also think it's because I mean, we all know that the audience for the two companies is different. I mean, um, yep. I know it sounds crazy, and maybe I'm completely off base on this, but I think, like, for example, when CM Punk recently came back to WWE, I'm not going to say it was the whole crowd, but there was most certainly, there has been most certainly a percentage of the fans who really thought this is his first time wrestling in 10 years. And yeah. there really was... I mean, not everybody, you could hear the reactions and things, but there definitely was and has been an undercurrent of people who had no awareness that he has done anything since 2014. Um, And so that kind of thing benefits somebody like an MJF because he really could, because then you have the people who are expecting him, who are really excited, like, oh, it's that guy from AEW, you got to see this guy. And then you got the other people who are like, I don't know who this is, but this guy is phenomenal, you know, right. and you combine that. And I think he he would get great reactions. So, I mean, there's it, it's beneficial. I, I mean, I, I I see how it doesn't have to happen. I do agree with that. I mean, he can have, if anything, you know, he could be like the Jerry Lawler of AEW. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, yeah. he's, he's, you know, you could make a, uh, he makes a fine living, I'm sure. And sure. He, he, he gets to wrestle, he gets to do his thing and he doesn't need to go. But I think it it probably would benefit him at some point if he did. But Jerry Lawler is actually a really interesting case because ask the the mainstream yeah, I know. wrestling fan who Jerry Lawler is. He's that guy who used to do ring announcing on Raw. Right. right? He's and the he, guy who yells out puppies. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that is yeah. and that's because he finally in the end made the decision to right. go there. Yes, that's true. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I mean, there's, there's no denying. Obviously, there's, uh, there are levels to this, and WWE is at a higher echelon. I mean, to the, to the extent that WWE is, is industry synonymous. I mean, it's Xerox or Kleenex. Um, wrestling is not as mainstream as it was, but to the extent that it is, it's WWE uh, with AEW as a distant second, and a still very respectable second. Like they're doing very, they're doing better than any company has, and I think discussed this in the last episode, you know, in a couple of decades. Uh, but WWE is on that level to the point where there was a, a combat sports page on Twitter that shared, I guess it mostly does MMA stuff, right? But it did uh, a, it was a clip from stardom and they said, oh, wow, WWE Japan is maybe even better than regular WWE. 
and they weren't being ironic. They weren't being like tongue in cheek. They were just like that pro wrestling is WWE, you yes. know, mm-hmm. like, and I wouldn't expect them to know what stardom is, but the fact that like a combat sports account, just any pro wrestling is WWE. I think that says a lot. When I did uh, the pre-interview for that NPR interview that we were just talking about, like sometimes they they have the producers call you and they go over topics and what they might want to, so they're prepared and they could get sound bites ready and things. Right. And I had to explain to the, the one of the show producers what the difference was between, and she asked me point blank, what the difference was between WWE and pro wrestling. What is the difference? Uh, it, and I had to explain that there is pro wrestling that is not WWE, that it, 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 it dominates the industry, but it is not the only pro wrestling. And, and even that very concept of what I even meant by that was hard, yeah. was hard to explain. Cause I think she just thought that WWE was just the name of what it is. More, sure, you know, not even, you hear not people. even just the name of a company. It was just, this is called WWE, you know, never right. mind. Like, what does that actually stand for? Most people right, don't ask right. questions like that. But uh, yeah, there is that. It's it's Q-tips. It's Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's uh, maxi sure. pads. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, no, absolutely. But, but it's I, I know we have to move on. But I, I would just like to add one last thing that it's WWE is the highest level you can get to in terms of visibility and notoriety. There's no questioning it. I mainly put that conversation out there because you can look at the art form of pro wrestling and you interpret it a little bit differently. You know, the, the movie that wins at the Oscars is many times not the most financially successful movie that sort of thing very so, true that's all mm-hmm. yes okay i'll agree i don't want to <laughs> belabor it too much. yeah uh, well, t- well we could talk all day about this but th- but your point it, it, I, i'm i'm agreeing with you that it is still like box office yeah. there's no denying it it's yeah um a, a couple of last things on on aw and and why don't we jump to one that i think is, is very related to that and, and and that is mercedes uh when i talked that uh, uh negotiations with WWE appear to have fallen through and now it it it's just sort of waiting for her to show up on AEW. I know how true that is that 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 are that's the uh the, the reporting similar to like the MJF uh, uh conversation um you know how how good idea is this um for her and I think this this very much you know one of the other things that I think is part of this conversation that we we haven't really brought up um that much and I think was relevant to like Will Ospreay and some others is that Beyond notoriety, um, and even beyond the, the 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 art of it, there's a bunch of other stuff that factors in in terms of uh, money is one travel, um, okay. schedule opportunities to take on uh, other business ventures, and all those things um, could stack in in AEW's favor when you're looking at that decision. So even if if you believe, well, if I really want to be the the richest most famous wrestler in the world i've got to go to aw there are a lot of other things that that absolutely might um uh, make you t- uh, decide on aw uh, in, instead uh all that said i've got to say i'm i'm a little disappointed to hear that mercedes is most likely going to show up in in aw because well look I guess that the word is that 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 she had a dollar figure in mind, and WWE wasn't there, and uh, whatever that figure is, good for her. I mean, I think she absolutely uh, deserves on the high end of of any dollar figure. When you're talking about, you know, before all of this, I thought she was on that short list of, of best ever, certainly on her way. I mean, I think she's she's that good. Because of that, I, I get why AEW would want her because she could be transformational for your women's division, and you really need it. You don't, you know. 
but that's also why I'm a little lukewarm on it because I see her going over there and I don't I don't see uh look she's going to have a lot of terrific matches with a lot of women I, you know I I think there is less opportunity um for for her to be the the kind of marquee act that she could be in WWE, which is saying a lot when you see you talk about all the big marquee acts that already exist in WWE. But I think she's big enough that I do think she go back goes back to WWE and headlines pay per views. I don't know that that happens on AEW. We are now five years into AEW, and this has been a criticism from day one. And they're always gonna get to it. They're always no, we're serious about you know doing more with our women's division, and here we are and. Um, I don't see it, you know, and I, I, I don't, see, you know, what is the, the, the big money match for her there? I mean, there are good matches for her there, but I, I don't see her, you know, I, I think, and this is maybe an, an oversimplification and, and somewhat pessimistic, but, but, um, I, I'm more concerned about the AW women's division kind of pulling down Mercedes than her opportunity to lift it up. I think this is a reasonable concern now because it's if you look at I think they're doing good things right now in that they have storylines for around both of these championships and they have uh, more characters being showcased. But the reality is there's only so much time allotted. You know, it's a little bit better at the pay-per-views, but there seems to be this unwritten rule. And maybe it's even written somewhere where it's one women's match a show, especially Dynamite. Um, it is very, very rare. Like you can count it on one hand every year. And it's usually, you know, just, it's not most of the hand, um, where there's a show and there are more than there's more than one women's match on it. Um, and certainly it's even more rare that it's more than one, like meaningful women's match where a championship is involved, or it's not a squash match, or it's not a tag match with unannounced opponents or something like that. And I do think they're making strides. I think it's encouraging that you have this energy being devoted to some of these other characters with what be that Tony storm or the, the spooky gals with sky blue and uh, Julia Hart, but you also have uh, Deanna Parazzo in the mix now, who, yep. which I think that's a huge get for them. Uh, again, if the user, um, but I actually, and, and Cameron Hawk and Seahawk on Twitter was talking about this. Uh, he's an occasional contributor for us. He raised a really good point that, you know, Mercedes goes there and she, even if she gets everything she wants on paper and there are matches for, her, you know, I, I think like her and uh, Jamie Hader would be really good. I think she hasn't had as much opportunity in the ring with Tony Storm. It's a little different with this this iteration of the character. You have her and Deanna. You know, there are options. Um, and then Cheetah and some others. But you also have uh, uh, the reality that if she only has one segment that she can appear in per week or one or, or she can't wrestle if there's another woman wrestling on the show because they only do one women's match a year. And there's all this talk even you, you go online and, and people are talking about like the network wants this. I don't buy that. I, I don't think the network says you can only have one women's match, but if that is the case or, or whether it's coming from Tony or anybody else, uh, Tony, Tony uh, Khan, not storm. I think that really limits how the division can grow. So she can potentially do very well in her one segment, but what's, if there's no division to build around her, then what, what's the benefit to her staying there long-term? Um, yeah. The only th real thing I really can think of is like you said, that, availability to do other things to go do you know side projects to act to go and if she wants to have another couple matches in stardom or new japan or something to that effect or, or she wants to go to mexico she's talked about wanting to do that as well uh but i i think there's a limited 
uh, structure in place for uh, the women's division in AEW right now. And that has to be rectified before Mercedes is going to be featured very well there. So I, I like you, I, I, I have reservations about her going back to WWE, given the way things were handled on the way out. Granted, it's, it's a, a different regime in place, but I also definitely have some reservations about her ending up in AEW. Yeah. How about you, Brian? I think the one, the one optimistic note that I take away from it, though, is the fact that if she, if and when she does come in, she's the biggest star that they would have in the women's division. And I think that they've probably ever had, you know, somebody that's main offended WrestleMania, like legitimately. And so that could be, I don't think it's the kind of thing that it is a game changer for the whole product as a whole, like let's say getting somebody like a CM Punk, but it could be a game changer for the women's division, possibly. Because when you have somebody like that coming in, you would think, you would think at least, that that would be the motivation to be like, okay, we need to showcase this person. This is not, I mean, no offense to anyone else they have here. They have some of the best women wrestlers in the world. But this is not Chris Statlander. This is not a Tony Storm. This is not a, a, a Julia Hart. Like, this is somebody that you give the red carpet to coming in. And and that could be the reason to make women more a part of the show simply because she's there. Now having said that, I don't I don't know if they're going to actually do that, but that would be the move. Um here's the thing with the with the women's division in AEW and it's a shame because it's one of the best personnel-wise anywhere is any any wrestling company you train your audience. You train your audience for the responses you want. And there is no denying, look, we were there. Uh, there's no denying that the women's matches, the crowd very often checks out. They do. There's an energy that kind of just leaves. But I don't think that's on the women. I think that's on the company because that's what they have been taught. Like, this is a throwaway. Oh, this is the token women's match. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to go get something at concessions or something. Or I'm going to talk to my friend who's sitting next to me. That doesn't happen in AEW. It doesn't with the biggest names in the women's division. It's not because they're miraculously better performers than the AEW women are. I mean, they have great women and, and both companies have great women. It's that the crowd has really been taught. These people are a big deal. Bianca Belair is a big mm -hmm. deal. You cheer for her. Rhea Ripley is a big deal. You respond to her. They've already made Jade Cargill into a bigger star than she ever was in AEW. And she's been on TV for five seconds. Like they just do that. Like they, 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 they educate you. Like this is somebody you're supposed to care about. And that's one thing that AEW needs to get better at doing. Cause they've taught this reaction. I believe is taught. And so hopefully like her arrival, Mercedes Monet coming in could be something that makes them sit up and say, all right, we have to do this a little differently than what we've been doing. Otherwise, you know, this person's not going to want to be here. This person that we're paying a lot of money to is going to be a very unhappy person. And so I, I hopefully that causes some positive change. I, I think it gets back to uh, uh, sort of what my um, gripe, and I don't know if that's the best word, but 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 my sort of my take of what AW is and and where its shortcomings are is that there's such a hyper focus again on on work rate and athleticism that I think they get excited about Mercedes coming in and oh she could have such a good match with this one and she'll have such a great match with that one, and even the talent that AW has. Who's the woman who who they just brought in who was like seconding Tony Storm? Mariah May. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so, uh, 
forgive me, I, I don't know a whole lot about Mariah May. She apparently has a reputation and is very good, and that's fine. The reality is most fans don't know much about Mariah May. Okay, so but, but uh, get excited uh, about uh, bringing uh, her in, and it's like, wow, you're going to see some great matches with Mariah May. Maybe. I, I don't know who she is. And, and well, I think that that's the same way they look at Mercedes. It's like, oh, she, you know, and the people you, you talked about who she could have great matches with, you know, Jamie Hayter, others, I, I don't doubt it. It that it can't just be about that, and 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 I think Brian's right. I mean, I I think the point is you bring her in, and she is a giant giant star. She, yeah. she could eclipse everybody else. She 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 is a pay per view headliner, and I think WWE gets that not just about her, but but uh, I I think as as Brian's um uh, touching on, um even the women they bring in up from developmental. I I, I just think that. And, and this really is about the competing philosophies about uh, between the two companies. Uh, and we're simplified. One is more about work rate. One is more about, you know, that intangible sports entertainment presentation, superstars, uh, all that stuff. Sure. Uh, you're out. Al inadvertently muted, muted himself. Maybe I can jump in here, but. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, so, you did this, didn't you? You have yeah, the I did not. You. No, I'm kidding. I think so, I'm back. I, I, I get your I get what you're saying, and I, I agree with it. And I and I think that's also a concern with Mercedes. I just want to backtrack because you specifically used the example of Mariah May, and that actually refutes your point because Mariah May is being built up as a character before you see her wrestle. So that's the whole you can't say, oh, there's no story, and they don't give me a reason to care. They're doing all these vignettes with her and having her fawn over Tony Storm and throw flowers at her. And try to be the the like her shadow, but when it's very obvious that at some point she's going to turn on her, like they're doing the story. So like you can't say that they don't give you a reason to care about her when they're giving you the reason to care about her. She's a very good wrestler, and we're going to see that. But also part of the appeal of her character is she kind of goes in there and it's easy for her. That's her. That's like her hook. Like I'm just good at wrestling and I'm beautiful and I'm charismatic and I get things when I want them. Uh, but part of the the way you build a character like that is you don't have them go out and do it right away so just just in defense of that one case i i I agree with you in general and i don't think it underscores what you're saying about or undermines what you're saying about mercedes but mariah that's a port because they're actually doing it right with her in my opinion maybe so but i think there's a difference and and um i i think this even gets to like the tony storm presentation which we could go on all day about um but but there is telling you that this person is a big deal and um, um, sort of like building up this character. Yeah. I don't know that I can articulate as well as, as it's in my head versus showing. I, I get it. It's a gut. Reception. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, and let's not even get this Tony storms, but I have all kinds of <laughs> with, with her character and, and we should move on to do anyway. Uh, uh, yeah. Just, just real quick about, about the, the scrum. It, it was, uh, because it's where we spend most of our time together. Um, it's just brutal. And this isn't necessarily even a, a, a dig at AW, but but when did it finally let out? 2.30 in the morning. And wh- what do you guys think about just this? Because WWE does it too, so this isn't to pick on, on AW. But to me, this this whole idea is sort of like, it, it it's so fraught with all, all kinds of problems um, because, you know, there's... The, it's just weird. There's so much sort of glad handing between the promoters and, and, and some of the reporters uh, out there. And 
what you really like wanna have answered is why this booking decision? Why the decision for this person to win and this person to lose? And and you can't do that. I mean, I suppose you you can ask that, but but uh, to use the word you just used, it sort of undermines um, the whole thing. So it's this kind of like un unwritten thing that like don't ask those kind of questions. And it it's just was was kind of like Tony Storm who are doing it completely in character. Um, and I had. You know, I would have liked to have asked Tony Storm a, a legitimate question, but when I saw that it was a hundred percent just in character, I was out. Like, I don't want to ask Tony Storm the character or anything. I want to ask I, Tony Storm. A I do real agree question. about that. Yeah. Yes, I felt because I did want to. She was someone I did want to question because of the. You know, we did the PWI interview and everything, and I understand why they did that. I mean, she's a real character now. That's like having the Undertaker at his prime come out there and just all of a sudden turn into Mark Calloway at the press conference. Like you're not, they weren't going to do that. I get, I get that, uh, but I didn't ask a question because I didn't want to just be a part of the shtick. I'm just, uh, you know, yeah. it's not what I'm not. I don't, I'm not a wet blanket or anything. I love what she does, but that's not why I was there. And it was. It was a little tricky. I mean, look, pro wrestling scrums, they're the only press conferences where the press applauds for the people yeah. as they come and go, I which is a little weird. Thing. And, and I, I do went, not do. Uh, it's, yeah. yeah I, I went with, with a, a reporter friend who works at, at my day job uh, with me, you know, not a wrestling reporter, a straight up news reporter. Now you're muted again. He's getting so excited. <laughs> I got to I got to stop moving this mic. And anyway, my reporter friend was sort of I don't want to exaggerate it, but but certainly like taken aback by the, the the visual of and 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 I've covered literally hundreds maybe thousands of press conference in in my life. The thought of applauding at a press conference. Well, the guy in front of us was from USA Today, so I can only imagine what what he was thinking. I mean, he wasn't just from a wrestling website or something or a magazine. He was like from a, you know, it is weird. I don't know if it's a comp. It's it's because they a lot of these things they have a combination of I guess what you might call influencers, and it's not just press press. You know, it's like people who are looking for clicks and hits, and that's really all they care about. I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't know the people, so I can't make a judgment. But it definitely feels like sometimes people feel like they're supposed to be part of the PR for the company, which is weird. Um, you know, and the two companies do them very differently. That has to be acknowledged too. Like WWE also, they will walk that line where like Triple H will come out there, Paul Levesque, and he'll be very like, I'm going to talk the numbers and I'm going to talk the business and this is the thing. And then all the wrestlers will just be in character and except when they suddenly don't feel like being in character. But for the most part, their press scrums almost feel like it's, it's an extension of the show in a weird way. Like the, like the show's still going on. Whereas the AEW ones, it's more like, okay, cut, like now we are here, like the show is over, and now, hey, we're all out of character and wasn't that a great show, which has its own levels of, of weirdness to it because then you feel like, well, like you said, what am I supposed to ask? What, what can I not ask? I also feel like there's, I think this last one was an example of this where there might be this um, hesitance and this backlash now, similarly to what was happening with dark side of the ring, where all of a sudden people were afraid to talk to them because, Oh my God, the, the other guy that said this and that he got in trouble and this guy got in trouble. I think that might be happening now because I think there was a little frustration, no offense to anyone that was chosen with the, I think we were hoping for some of the bigger names and things oh, yeah. that, we, that we didn't get. Um, and I think that might be part of it. I think you might be, 
getting talent saying like, I'm not going out there. I'm not, I'm not doing that to myself, shooting myself in the foot. Like I'm going back to the hotel. I'm going to the bar. See you later. You know, I think some of that might be going on and, and that might be impacting what, what the press scrums have become maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I really thought it was just kind of a, a mess and here's a place where I absolutely do. If you're going to do it, I, I do think WWE just does it better. Right. I mean, it it's tighter, the decisions of who goes out there. Um, it, it is uh, a top newsmakers and top names coming out of these things. I, I'd be happy for them to do away with them altogether or just limit them to Levesque on WWE and Tony Khan. In the end of the day, that's who you want to hear from, you know, and, and that was my frustration was that it was close to two in the morning before Tony started taking um, questions. And meanwhile, right. We're sitting through a half hour of of uh, questions for Julia Hart and uh, Daniel Garcia, and, and not, no offense to any of these people, but sure. Um, and, and I think like you found reporters kind of trying to come up with something to ask these people to sort of be courteous, and and the reality was, you know, you needed uh, the the Sandman, not the wrestler, the Sandman from the Apollo to come out with the the hook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I want to I want to defend Kevin now for a second too because <laughs> I think no, no, I want to say this because I saw the Kevin reaction. Had the best question of the, of, I, of the whole right, night. you did, and I but I saw some of the reactions that frustrated me. Um, you did an amazing job, not only asking, and I'm not just saying this because you're here and because you pay me, but yes. you did you did a great job in not only asking a pertinent, right question that needed to be asked. You phrased it in, in in a way that was most designed to elicit a meaningful response. You had a follow-up question, which almost no one ever does, right? Because they take the mic from you right away. They don't want you to do a follow-up question. But I want to say, because th there were people that were saying, oh, why did you have to ask a question while Julia Hart was there and you're taking time away from the talent? I think I speak for all of us when I say we definitely had a sense, I'm, I'm saying this as, a, as an explanation, that Tony may be, Tony Khan maybe may have been trying to sidestep uh getting direct questions asked to him in the sense that um he seemed to be bringing all these people out and yeah. there was a concern that at the end of all that he was going to say okay thanks guys it's been real boom i'm getting out of here we that didn't vibe in the room right yeah we didn't know and maybe he didn't know who knows what goes on in his mind maybe it was spur of the moment but we didn't know that he was gonna at the end because he normally does it at the beginning right we didn't know that he was going to have he his does it section. A little bit throughout. Like right. he'll, he'll pause for a few minutes and it, it was a lot looser than it normally was. I, I honestly, I felt very conflicted asking when I did it, it actually seemed, but you did the right thing because in retrospect, it was the exact right time to you do. You felt yeah, like you had right. to get it in there just in case he wasn't taking direct questions at the end. And I think, and, and if that was going to be the strategy, then right. doing something like that is the perfect way to subvert that. And you did nothing wrong. You did so, a fine So job. it was, I, I think we should just at least mention what the question was. Cause not everybody watched the scrum or listened to it or read highlights or whatever. Um, I specifically asked about given a lot of chatter that's going on and I declined to name names, not because let me clarify this. Cause there were, I was criticized on a certain podcast Cornet, that, uh, <laughs> that I didn't mention a name and it was not out of fear for that. You know, the, the, uh, the person who these controversies surrounded, it was out of respect for an alleged victim who has not come forward with her story. So that's actually policy, you know, generally to do that, to not name someone unless they uh, have, you know, 
uh, out of sensitivity for an alleged victim unless they are you know on board with it and have uh, taken spoken to you or made some kind of statement on the record. Um, so that was my thinking, but I did it when I did it in part because those first two interviews, there was no room. Like you could not get it in edgewise with the Samoa Like you would have, it would have to be completely left field. I mean, especially with Tony storm being so in character and Samoa Joe in character to a lesser extent, <laughs> Tony. I mean, it's the highlight of the whole thing that, that Tony took this super serious question from you. And this is where I could imagine Adam in the back of the room, pulling his hair out. Right. Um, he left he the hat and the glasses on. The, the hat and the glasses on. Yeah, and yeah. Adam came over right after and that took it off and, him yeah. and, and got it off him. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, I do believe that Tony uh, forgot that he had it on. I think he's just so. I agree. Know, oh yeah, yeah. I I don't think it was on purpose. I don't think he was making light by any means. But I but I asked it then in part because Julia was on the card and had you know people are into what she's doing and she you had three women's matches on the card and that hasn't you know that's not a regular occurrence so. Uh, I figured, okay, that's a good way to bring it up. Like acknowledge her for what she did and then apologize. Hey, sorry, I have to ask uh, Tony Khan this question because uh, who knows if we'll get a chance. So that, but that, anyway, that was my logic. Um, everyone still, if anyone still wants to be upset about that, I get it. I'll own that. But just, no. just by way of explanation, because I certainly couldn't explain it there or, uh, you know, in a, a 240 character tweet. So uh, uh, I, I've been in um, the uh, uh, journalism business for uh, more than 25 years now. I've got a, a graduate degree in journalism. I have taught journalism. I could say um, what you did was uh, spot on and other people in the room could have learned a lot about how to handle yourself um, in a press conference from the way you did. Uh, uh, absolutely. absolutely. You know, I, I, I think uh, l later on, you, you mentioned the, the USA Today guy. I thought he had some some good questions uh, yes. also later on, especially when Tony. And, and I think the, uh, and, and again, not to disparage anybody, but but I, I, I think you tend to get the, the better questions later on when it was Tony, who was the person who, who had the answers that we were looking for. Um, I bailed because it was two in the morning. <laughs> so um, it, it it was just ridiculous. Uh, they they need to tighten that up. I, I, I it, it was a mess, and, and uh, yeah, I I don't think it was um, a good look for them in the end of the night. Just how, how they handled that whole thing. Um, we're already at, at an hour and ten minutes. Almost here, and we haven't even brought up the rock. So let, let's let's quickly pivot okay. over to, to WWE and, and the fact that we might be on on the cusp of of one of the biggest matches um, in. Let's not exaggerate. In, in in 25 years plus, you know, in in the Rock and and Roman Reigns, the flip side of that is that we may lose um, the main event that we had all been anticipating for a, a long, long time. So, I for one have uh, a very mixed feelings. On, on I've got my WrestleMania tickets. So on one hand, the potential to to be there for the Rock versus Roman Reigns, one of the biggest matches again um, in in my lifetime, is exciting. I, I honestly, I think I'm more bummed about the prospect of of losing um, Cody and and Roman. Um, now there there is some thought that can you do both? Can you? Does the Rock and Roman Reigns necessarily have to be at WrestleMania? Does Cody and Roman necessarily have to be? In WrestleMania, there's two nights of WrestleMania. Is there a way to do both? You know, um, it 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 does seem to introduce introduce a, a whole bunch of questions and a whole bunch of problems. All that said, 
I absolutely get that if you have the option of doing Roman Reigns and The Rock at WrestleMania, you got to do it. You have to do it. It's the biggest match in, in wrestling. Uh, sorry, Cody, and, and it's a real bu uh, bummer, but um, I, I do think that the, the way to proceed is you got to go with this and you got to figure out something else for Cody. What do you think, Brian? Well, I'm, I, I'll never stop saying it. And I, I, I said it a year ago and some people thought, well, in perspective and over time, you might change your mind or whatever. They made the wrong move a year ago. If this happens, absolutely. Right. I mean, if this works out now, now again, it was always like, let's wait and see. And now we have waited and, and seen. Right. And right now you can look back and say, yeah, they should have done it last year. If this yes, is because if they had, let's say they do do what they seem to be preparing to do. If Cody had won the title last year, this match would still happen. Absolutely. Yeah. No one's going to say, oh, Roman Reigns, he lost the title to Cody Rhodes. We don't want to see him wrestle the rock it now. Mean any less. Yeah. No, that's absolutely not going to happen. And you could have had, I mean, look at that. There's so many reasons. Roman Reigns has lost so much steam. The bloodline has lost steam. Uh, he's never on TV. Uh, it's almost like nowadays, it's it's like you, Seth Rollins is the actual champion, even though he's the secondary world champion, because he's the one that's in front of people. Uh, it's hurt that. Uh, it's, it's hurt Cody in the sense that everything they've done with him, they could have done with him as the champion, and it would have meant more, and they would have even had more possibilities. And now you have this happening, uh, which, which by the way, I don't see The Rock actually winning the title in this match. I think the move is that Roman wins again, right? Uh, which also leads you to think, okay, so maybe the story is going to get won. But yeah. when? I think there's no way you wait another year. That's madness. So if they think, okay, well, Roman's going to win this match, and then Cody, you'll get, you're going to get the belt. And then they wind up doing it at like a SummerSlam or something. It's just it just feels like anticlimactic if that's what they're going to do. Uh, it's it's a strange thing, but yeah, I agree with you. It's like you kind of have to do that match because some people well, some people have brought up well, maybe they do that for the Australia show, you know, because it's because it's a gigantic, um, I guess, elimination chamber, right? It's going to be like seventy thousand people, and it's an international premium live event, and there would be no shame in doing it there. And I, I agree with that. I think that uh, is a possibility, but a match like this is tailor-made for WrestleMania, so it just almost feels like it's a foregone conclusion. Um, you know, it's a shame. I don't know. Triple threat? I don't know. I don't know what the no, answer is. No, <laughs> right? No. No, that's the worst of all. The, no, the I know. I know. I know. Yeah. I mean, there there is the and, – and the other kind of like monkey wrench is CM Punk, right? So, so you could do, theoretically, Roman – um, Rock night one winner wrestles Cody, kind of the WrestleMania 10 thing with Luger, that. Yoko, and uh, a Brett. You'd have to give Cody another opponent the, f the first night, too. Um, so it's less than ideal because then you're not even promoting Roman and Cody, right? Um, because you don't know that Roman and Cody, and you have to go through the motions of, of, potentially promoting a, a, a rock and Cody, you know, which doesn't really make any sense unless they straight up make it a non-title match, Roman and Cody. And so either which way Roman is defending against Cody on night two. So there, there are ways you could do it, but it, it is a less clean way of doing it. I do think at this point, you just don't do Cody and Roman at this WrestleMania, whether you push it to 41, you know, this kind of like odd number. And I guess the talk is, 
Minnesota, which doesn't really mean anything to, to anybody. Something that I heard, um, I think Brian Alvarez uh, bring up. No, I don't know, maybe it wasn't Brian Alvarez, but it was on the Observer Show, was doing it in the garden, you know, wh- whatever it would be, Cody and, and Roman finally getting the belt on Cody at some event in the garden. I don't know, Survivor Series hasn't been announced yet, you know, where that's going to be. Mm-hmm. Sure, you know, that that would be pretty cool, Cody winning Where's that belt. Where's SummerSlam this year? In Nashville. No, 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 I'm sorry, Cleveland, Cleveland. Okay. Uh, so, nah, I mean, could you? Yeah, but it, it just doesn't feel... At, at that point, and, and we've talked about, you know, how important it is for them to to keep Reigns, um, Reign going and being records. If 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 it's R- Cody or, or if it's Rock and Roman this year at Mania, then I uh, assume you keep that belt on Roman through next year's WrestleMania. Man, good grief! I, <laughs> I, I think the the longer you push this out, I, I don't, I don't. I don't even disagree that that's maybe where they're going with it. Um, but the longer you push this out, we've seen already, the more things can pop up and unexpected things can happen. People can get injured, you know? So it really is, it's a dangerous game you're playing there. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw a spoof flyer that somebody posted. It was like uh Roman versus Cody and they're all gray and <laughs> grizzled. And, and it says WrestleMania 2057 on Mars. Yeah. <laughs> well, people have been saying that they're shooting for the Hulk Hogan record, the four year. I think Hogan, it was like four years and, and like a week or something, which again, I've said it before. All of this makes no sense to me. I don't see how these imaginary records like help your business at all. Well, it's almost like Bruno, but even then it's like, at that no, point, no, don't even say that out loud, please. He's I not think, going to. I but... think that it, it it's like you're booking. I don't know. You're not booking like. You're booking like a, a mark to use a you know an unfortunate term. If you're thinking like, well, we have to break these records, like who cares? Who cares about this record? But but if that's what they're trying to do, then you're looking at like August. So it's possible maybe that he holds it and, and maybe he loses it at SummerSlam or something. Yeah, I, it's just so disappointing. Another option that that's out there, um, especially with the new Royal Rumble main event. So they got the Fatal Four Way with Roman. Can you take it off a of Roman? at rumble without roman being beat right so randy orton pins la Knight, new universal champion Mm -hmm. roman never got beat the title is is you know and then uh randy versus cody at mania which is a is a match a big match you know it's still less than satisfying because he he never beat roman for for the title but it's it's a way to to get there kind of uh but yeah none, none of it is it's such what an unsatisfying into Roman's uh, yeah. run, though. Like it, that's the other part of it. I think even if it's good for Cody, it's okay. Roman's reign went out not with a whimper, but not with a bang, but with a whimper. You know, right? Because the part of this is the whole thing's been building to like who's finally going to beat this guy, who's finally going to do it, and right. if the answer is nobody, I think that's going to be very, very yeah. uh, frustrating for a lot of fans. You know, if if not, if if, and and I'd say. Um, you know, there's a better than 50% chance now that, that this is what we're dealing with. If it's um, Roman and Rock at WrestleMania and you got to find something else for Cody, what what is that thing? I mean, he is out of the main event pitcher. Night one has got to be Punk and, and Rollins, right? And so night two is Roman and and Rock. And and what do you do with, with Cody Rhodes? Um, I guess Randy, but, but, you know, it's a mid-card match at this point. Yeah. 
That's uh, I I don't know. I just one thing I do know is based on the reactions on Monday Night Raw, I think they have to make sure that they keep Punk away from Cody because uh, the crowd ver- made it very clear that they will choose Cody in a in that situation. And so unless they want to turn Punk, I think that's that those are two people that need to be kept apart for the time being. Did you see that I when mean, he, they want to turn punk though? You know, he that. did that yeah, promo. I, I think that's a good problem to have, you know. Yeah, no, it, it, it is. But unless if they want to keep him as this feel good punk, then that because he, he was running down those names of who he's going to go through if he has to. And when he mentioned Cody crowd immediately turned on him, you know, they, yeah, I don't think yeah. they want to see that. Yeah. But I, again, I think I think that's good, and I think even Punk would be happy to hear that, you know, because you know that he's their top baby face, and and that he's that over is all good news. It means things are yep. working as they're supposed to be. It is because we talked we talked about from when he first came in, came back. Like my biggest fear was I felt like he was on that edge. Like you 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 don't want to have happen to him what happened in AEW, where he just all of a sudden seems to be the corny, not cool. You don't oh, want it to, yeah, you yeah. don't want it to turn into like Bob Backlund or something. You know what I mean? Where yeah. everybody's like, Oh, this guy's a cornball, but, but WWE, man, they absolutely adore him. I, I think he could do no wrong. So that's a good thing. Yeah. But it's just so crazy that like all the things that needed to go right for them to be able to do Cody and Roman at WrestleMania 40, it's like, everybody needs to stay healthy. Cody needs to stay over. And it's like check, check, everything is 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 working. Then you have a Hollywood strike, and then the rock kind of gets bored, and so he starts hanging out around WWE again. And it's like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and right. it's that is what happened. This yeah. match that they've wanted to do for years and years and years and never have been able to do. The the one time where they book a, a WrestleMania main event, essentially a year in advance, is where the rock decides um, to do it. Are are you guys convinced that that's what's happening? Is this just more teasing from The Rock as he's done this before? I mean, I'm also not well, 100% sure that, that this is real. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was sitting here while you guys were talking thinking like, did I miss some kind of decisive announcement? Because oh, I don't want to oh. sound dumb and say like, did they? Because I, I don't think that just based on what we've seen that it's 100% that the match is happening. Uh, he, he, he said that tease and we know that Vince's thing always was never advertise something that you're not going to deliver on, but Vince isn't running the show anymore. So I don't, I don't know. Um, I think that unless we hear otherwise, they could do a thing because people have talked about the kind of shape he's in and the fact that like he got, he gets blown up, just walking to the ring now and stuff. Um, maybe he's in somebody's corner or maybe it's like, maybe, you know, that kind of thing, or, or maybe it's like a tag team situation. I don't know. Or I, I don't think it's for sure that unless we hear otherwise, that that is that they actually want him in the ring against, against Roman. I, I was thinking that maybe they had said it and I missed it, but no, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's written in stone just based there's on him saying he, head of the table, you know? Yeah. But no, they've dropped other hints. He did some, was it like a make a wish thing or something where um, he talked about uh, he, he met somebody who was a fan or something. And he said, uh, you know, we're just getting started. There's a lot more coming up. Um, so it sounds like he, he's in sort of WWE mode. Um, and, and there was also, it, it wasn't just what he said in that promo. It was the reaction of, of Cole and the other announcers really acknowledging it, returning to it. On Friday with Roman having Paul Heyman talk about it. I mean, um, if if it's not happening, I you know I don't know. I I feel like they would kind of 
pull back on expectations and they seem to be leaning into them. Yeah, I'm I'm inclined to agree with that too. Um, however, I, it, there's always the question of when and where it happens, and you could push it back. But I don't see why you start teasing it so, you know, now if you're not going to deliver on it in the next couple months. So, and you need to. I mean, with with Dwayne Johnson, there, there's just logistics of like you need that opening, and if there is yep. a window, you you got to jump at it, right? I mean, you, yeah. you've got to take it. So if he's available, you know, first weekend of April, 2024, then you got to do it. I just, I just have to say, it's such a shame that there wasn't an opportunity to have Cody win the championship last year. That where literally everything else could have remained the same, and it would have been right. Better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a, a shame. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there was really, and look, hindsight's twenty twenty. They had a, a, a big plan in in place, and and who could have predicted that this is the year that they finally get to do the Rock and Roman Reigns? So sure. Um, uh, we will see. Um, so not, not a lot else, I guess, to talk about WWE, uh, but before we, we, uh, jump in iron claw, and I don't want to spend too much time on this. It, uh, Brian and I talked a little bit on the last podcast before either of us, um, saw the movie. We, we both have, uh, we all three of us have since then. So wanted to give a quick reviews. Uh, I gotta say, um, you know, I, I, I took my, uh, 13 year old and I was in, and, and he didn't really know the story. And we were in a theater filled with people that clearly didn't know the story that well. And I'll say they all liked it more than I did, you know? And I do mm-hmm. think it's one of these situations of where if you know the story, um, it can affect your enjoyment uh, of the movie because inevitably you're, uh, uh, comparing and contrasting against true life events. Now it, it, I'd say my criticisms are are beyond that. It's not just a matter of of it not being as authentic as I would like, and and more that the decisions that were made to depart from the true story, I just have a hard time um, uh, dealing with. I, I I don't know why some of those decisions um, were made. I, I disagree with them. You know, the, the biggest as we talked about being the decision not to include Chris von Erich and. I was willing to give it the benefit of the doubt in that, like, all right, you know, they're, they're telling a story here and there must be a, a valid reason why they made that decision. Now, having seen the movie and and um, seeing what they decided to commit time to and what they didn't, um, I'm even more down on the decision to, to leave Chris uh, out. And um, I, I in, in some ways, if you were he'd be like the last person I, I, I would have left out. I mean, I think his story is so particularly <clears throat> a, a tragic um, in that, you know, you're, you're telling the story of um, a bunch of, of brothers that to, to some extent, and I know how, how true this was, but there was all th- this idea that they were kind of pressured into the business and, and seeking their father's appro- approval. And there was different levels of re- reluctance among all of them. And Chris was the one who who really dreamed of, of being the hero that his brothers were, you know, and 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 couldn't. So, um, really puzzled to the decision of leaving that out. And there was a lot of other stuff that, you know, they played fast and loose with with some, um, his historical stuff. Uh, but I got to say, even in, in, in the the stuff that that really resonated, I, I just don't think they got the most out of it. I think they they blew through the the depths. It's like. Um, they they dealt with so many of them in a condensed period that there wasn't a lot of time to even really sort of fully like um, digest uh, each of them and, and stuff like you know the, the NWA title that they they spent so much time in the first half of the, of the movie to the first third talking about how this was Fritz's 
uh, a goal. He was sort of like uh, uh, obsessed with with winning this title. And then when they they finally do, it was just kind of blown by. They don't even show it. Um, it, it it didn't seem nearly as significant as you would have thought. And, and uh, I think that was the case with with David's death. They just sort of started. It almost felt ironically like like a wrestling card where they they spent so much time on those first several matches that they had to condense the the last several matches and and they were kind of pressed for time and because of that I I, I enjoyed the movie I was disappointed with the movie I don't think they they um, I think that the the movie is benefiting from people not knowing the von Erich story and really being um, you know. Uh, uh, enthralled by this incredibly tragic story and so they're benefiting from the fact that most people didn't know about this but but i i it just leaves me thinking like oh, you you left so much on the table you could have gotten so much more out of this i mean if if you're able to move people as much as you did with um i i think uh, a story that wasn't nearly as strong as it could have been imagine if you really told the full story well i think uh, you know i i had somewhat of an opposite reaction in a way in the sense that well first and foremost i have to say i thought it was a very good movie which i think is the number one priority you know you get people online that are complaining that michael hayes's trunks were the wrong color i'm not even exaggerating and i'm just like what is what is wrong with you like there's no other response to have to it than that you can't make a movie for you know a few hundred diehard fans of world-class championship wrestling that's like a rest that can't be your number one goal um and so like al when you say that the people that didn't really know the story that well or your kids or the enjoyed it more i almost feel like that's mission accomplished because that's most people and you can't be too caught up in uh getting all the details right you, you want to tell the best story and that happens in any but they kind of that's my but, right. Okay. I was going to, I was going to address that. That happens in any biopic. You have to condense things. You have to, even like uh, when they make a, a comic book adaptation where it's, you know, which I see plenty of, and people will complain that, that this didn't, this wasn't exactly faithful to the comics and this character, why did Batman have to kill off the Joker now? You know, well, it's because they're trying to make the best movie. They're not, cons they're not writing a comic book. They're writing a movie. So that said, there were things, yes, that I saw. I, you know, I'm not going to quibble over minor details. I, I loved the way that they created sort of the energy of the sportatorium was wild to me. Like, I, like I got chills with the whole um, modern day warrior montage. Like, I, I literally had chills from beginning to end of that thing. And doing things like that, where you could tell they put their homework in. They have, you know, Fritz on the phone with Sam Muchnick. It's like a throwaway line where he just says the name Sam. And if you don't know, you don't even know who Sam is, you know, and the, although it's mentioned briefly later on. But there were things where, yes, I do feel the narrative was hurt by certain changes they made. Like um, like you said, I was a little befuddled by the NWA title thing because they make it seem like, A, Kerry lost his foot the night he won the yeah. belt. Which I guess, you know, you have to like collapse these events and things, but that was a little much. And they also, for the people watching that don't know the story, they made it a little hard to understand why, okay, they build this whole thing up. Kerry wins the belt, and now the next time you see Flair, he's the champion again. And I could see a lot of people thinking, like, well, didn't he beat that guy? Like, what happened? Like, we all know, okay, Flair got the belt back three weeks later. They don't make that clear. They they sort of make you think, okay, well, Kerry lost his foot, and it's sort of assumed, I guess he had to give the title up, obviously, and somehow... 
Flair got it back. But it's never explained, especially for something that's so important. I think there was a missed opportunity with the Lance Von Erich thing where yeah. they actually have MJF in there and you see him as Lance. You don't know he's supposed to be Lance. It makes no sense. And you see Kevin being frustrated. The real story there is that Fritz basically said, well, I'm losing my boys, so I'm just going to make up a new Von Erich. Like, I think there's th there was real potential in articulating that, and it was never explained. But I think the bigger picture, I think the movie really worked. I, specifically with the Lance Von Erich stuff, I mean, a lot of that is cutting room floor. So I'm curious if yeah, there will be like a director's cut later on where some of that will be added back in. It'll make a little more sense. Uh, even just from uh, th like we we licensed a bunch of stuff for use in the movie and a couple of things yeah, ended up in, in, we'll, in the, the movie. Yeah. I was going to say there was that. More, and like, I'll talk to you guys about it off air maybe. It's awesome. It's because it's, it's, we're already running so long, but it's just, it's uh I, I have a feeling there's a lot of stuff that was filmed that would have filled in some of these gaps, though not all. I don't think Crick was ever, you know, seriously considered, at least by the time they were, you know, uh, making this thing. But uh, I, I really like the movie overall. Uh, yeah, there's some stuff that's sort of mashed together, put in different, set in different places than it actually, where it actually took place. The best explanation I can come up with for leaving Chris out is they wanted this, uh, you know, in the end, this message of brotherhood and it persevering. And I, I don't know that the Chris story and all this stuff, especially with like how young he was and all, and all he went through in his time. I don't know how much that adds to it, but I, I think either way, I mean, it's upsetting. Certainly if you're the family and you're looking, there's a whole person just, you know, eliminated from the narrative. I think that's gotta be hard. So it's tough choices that were made, but Overall, I thought the, the end product was good. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and it, yeah. It's sad in the sense the Chris thing made me sad when I learned about it because like we've sort of said here, that was his whole thing that he didn't want to be left out and they literally yeah. left him out. So it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. But having seen the movie, I see why they did it. I have to say, because even what we've talked about here, how it did sort of start to feel like start to feel like dominoes falling like and, and it's hard to sustain that you yeah. have to dramatically when you're writing a narrative and a screenplay you have to make us care about these characters you have to explain what happened you have to like seamlessly move from one thing to the next and it already felt like they were slightly rushing these things and i feel like if you had another person in there my god i mean you'd have to make the movie definitely significantly longer especially when you've got as morbid as it is the situation where like Chris and Carrie, their situations, their deaths were very similar. Like Carrie, the reason that he shot himself under that tree is because that's where Chris shot himself, you know? So like you would have then had to duplicate that. And, and I understand that you could, it, maybe it makes it even more, gives it more gravitas, but that's a lot of ground to cover and it's a lot of heartbreak. And boy, is that, I mean, there were people saying maybe it would have been better as a mini series or whatever, but I just feel like that's the reaction today where there, we have, you know, people gravitate towards these prestige TV dramas that everybody feels like everything should be a TV series. I think it, it worked. It was very good. Um, I think, you know, it's, I think maybe like Oscar talk around, it might be a little overinflated, but it was a very good movie about a topic that years ago, I never would have dreamed would have been given such a serious, respectful treatment. And I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. I guess the problem is again, the, 
judging the, the movie that was made, you know, versus the judge judging movie that that could that have could been have made. Been. And and you're um, fantasy booking the movie, Alex. Yeah, yeah, I know there is some of that. All that said, I mean, even judging the movie that was made, I I think it's good and but not great. I mean, I think there were, and I watch a, a ton of movies. Um, and I think there were a lot of decisions there that I didn't totally get the, the things that, that they missed, you know, I don't think they did a, as a effective a, a job as they wanted to in building Fritz into, and, and, and it's oversimplifying to say the heel, but, but this idea that he was this domineering, um, character, I, th I think the, Von, the, the Lance thing would have gone a long way in, in, in showing that kind of dark side and, and they didn't do that. If anything, you know, they they went a little easy on him. I thought they did, actually. yeah. yeah. Uh, but then that payoff with with um, with Kevin and Fritz um, after Kerry's death doesn't work as well, I don't think, because we 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 didn't see Fritz be all all that bad, um, and a lot of stuff. I mean, there was a lot of time spent on stuff that, in retrospect, I don't know why. You know, um, there's the I, whole scene with 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 Mike playing the college gig, which really ate up a lot of time. A, a lot of the the, the buildup of the relationship between Kevin and, and his wife took a lot of time, which would have been fine if there was a more meaningful payoff. In in and ultimately, her, I didn't think her role was all that. Um, it, it wasn't everything that it could have been. It, it, it wasn't as significant given how much buildup there was. And all these things make me think, like, you know, you're making all these decisions, um, and 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 they are decisions. It could have also been a decision to include Chris in the movie. You know? I was yeah. also I was amazed that they left out that Doris divorced Fritz in the end. Yeah. I feel like yeah, that's I mean, a major yeah. that that gives a, you get a sense that their marriage is will never be the same. But I mean yeah. that gives like a definitive end to her story. Where even though in the movie we see how she enabled him and it was horrible and she wasn't emotionally available to the kids, but in the end she finally said enough of this and i'm gonna go to hawaii with my son you know what i mean like i thought that was maybe a missed opportunity for her i character. think they i think they I, I forget if they specifically mentioned the divorce in the end credits but they do uh in the post not post credit sequence and they like the what happened to everybody yeah, well, yeah. they did mention that everyone moved in with kevin nice. I, I, Al, I i i'm interested you brought up the party thing because i that was my first thought for something to cut and I sat with it a little more. And I, the reason I liked that they left it in is because it, it did show that bonding moment of them as a brother, as brothers. And also you had a callback on that song a couple of times where Mike was trying to play it and he couldn't get the, the notes out anymore. Yeah. And, and also that, that Mike could very easily yeah. get lost in the shuffle in that. Yeah. And I think that that scene established, you know, his character more and, and yeah. made you care about him. The, Oh my God. The, uh, if you've ever seen the footage of the press conference, with Mike yeah. on Eric, that was, eer that was eerie because it really like captured it so well. It was the real one was worse, but it shows you like how uh, it really, it really looked and felt like it. Like the minute they cut to it, I just like jarred for a second because I I've watched that press conference and it really felt like I was watching the, the real thing. You know, yeah, yeah, that was you know my my, my kid next to me the whole uh, time saying, and he's. You know, did that really happen? And I'm just telling them time again, it was worse. It was worse. Yeah. So uh, as, as, as heartbreaking as the movie is, it's like the true story is actually even more heartbreaking. Re real quick, any any qualms with with the casting? The, the the one I'd point to is Carrie, who a really good actor. I forget his name, but come on, I mean, he, he could have been cast as Chris. He he was <laughs> uh, tiny and and you know not not built. I mean, he had muscle, but 
you could have looked less like uh, a Carrie in terms of Carrie was a specimen. And, he was the biggest um, of them all. And he had right? Mike as a huge was. guy who was actually a little guy. It was just some weird. And I get that again. You're not just looking for lookalikes, but it it is the, the Carrie one in particular. I had a hard time with. There was one scene where they introduced when they first introduced him, and you see him on the track when he's preparing to throw the discus there, and it's like shot from below where you can't really tell the size discrepancy. Where I thought it was remarkable, like he looked the that, hair's good. Yeah. that yeah. actor doesn't really look like Carrie Von Eric, but in that shot, he did. I mean, and you could tell that they put care into that of 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 in that moment of introducing him, like where you go, oh my god, he looks like Carrie, but. But yeah, I mean, it was it was weird that he was so significantly smaller than Kevin. I don't know if the average moviegoer cares about that. No, One thing yeah, I want to yeah. say about the match, though, and and like you said with the flair thing and how they just showed it on TV and Doris is watching it at home. I think one concern might have been on a smaller budget movie like this to recreate Texas Stadium like would have been tough. You know, you would have I guess they could with a CGI crowd, but you still have to be in a large space. Maybe they just didn't want to have to do that. If you notice the they actually show real footage from the match, that's actually Flair and Kerry yeah. on the screen that that right. they're showing. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that might have been part of the reason why they didn't they didn't make more of that than they could have. Also, like the actor who they got to play Flair, which I don't want to open up that can of worms, but I mean, <laughs> yes, he he was a cartoon. I had much less of a problem with it than most people did, but I don't think that actor and that would have been dramatically up to what that would have required because you get like the but great even that i mean that that they that whole promo for flair was just completely unnecessary it just felt like sort of grandstanding and and um i have I my thoughts on it there. but you yeah. know maybe uh, so yeah there are a lot of decisions too. throughout you know yeah um the ultimate word gotta mention i'm not yes, the only one that's right <laughs> jim <laughs> helwick had to mention this yeah like, he did yeah. and he and he buried him yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, well, we've got along here. Uh, 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 before we run, any thoughts on uh, uh, the return of TNA and Hard to Kill? Uh, sounds like what? a really good card. I just had a thought because I knew I know I, I I had specifically mentioned wanting to preview it because it's it's coming out. Uh, yeah, end of this week. Um, why don't we? Why don't I come back on? We'll talk about the awards after the issue comes out, and we can talk about Hard to Kill then. Does that work? Okay, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're right on here. the spot now. You can't say no. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, uh, Alan Bryan are game for everything. I don't I lost my my TNA impact. Right, I'm I'm a Verizon FiOS guy, and this week I go on um, Verizon FiOS, and Access is is gone. So uh, uh, I can no longer watch uh, TNA every week. There, there is a way. We will we will discuss. It. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks so much. Uh, a lot to cover here. Uh, the first one of the new year is this. I forget when the PWA podcast started, but is this the 10th? I think this might be the 10th year. Not the 10th anniversary, but. Wow. I might be coming up on a 10th anniversary. I I've think you're a, right. It's at least the 10th year. I, I remember if we started in 14 or 15. Uh, but anyhow, another year. Excited to be doing it for another year. Uh, having a lot of fun. Glad to have you uh, both on and, and looking at having uh, more people from the magazine on throughout the year. Uh, before I run, uh, 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 Brian, what have you got going on? Uh, what were you on NPR talking about? So it's a podcast that NPR does and a live broadcast called The 1A. And um, it's like an afternoon show. And they they had a show about um, just the, you know, kind of like the broad strokes of pro wrestling's presence in popular culture and the influence that it has and 
and why people enjoy it. So we, we really got to talk about, you know, big picture things about the industry. And they had me as a historian. And then they had another gentleman who was like a kind of like a, a, a more of a scholar sort of thing. And so we were able to go back and forth. It was fun. And it, it, it's it's refreshing to talk to people who maybe do, don't know a ton about wrestling and to and to explain it from that point of view. It was kind of fun. It's called the 1A, and, and it's posted online. If you go to their website, you can either search NPR 1A, and you'll find the website, and it's the it's the uh, the January 8th episode. Yes, and you got uh, lots more going on with the wrestling news and the Monsoon book, and what am I forgetting anything? I'm sure I am. Oh, man. I, I guess that, that no, covers yeah. it. There's Shut Up and Wrestle, which is yeah. always moving along. I'm going to be posting an archived interview I did with Bruno San Martino in the coming weeks, and I just right. uh, uh, other guests. And yeah, the book, I'm I'm well into it. Irresistible Force, The Life and Times of Gorilla Monsoon. I might actually be visiting with the Morella family later this month. Fingers crossed. Oh, cool. I might be. When I visit my daughter in Philadelphia, they live right across the bridge in Beverly, New Jersey. So I might uh, be able to swing by. Maybe swing by the office here. See the PWI yeah. archives. Huh? I would love to do that. My daughter, my daughter, I may have to bring her with me. Listen, if you want to spend time with me, then you have to come <laughs> with me to the PWI offices. But I'm sure right. she'll love that. Yeah, <laughs> could, it be, could it be worse than my wife sitting uh, in the car for the? Uh, yeah, that wasn't even mentioned. Al, we were gonna let you off the hook with that one, but you He's have a, you you're know. married to a He's saint, good. a saint, indeed. Um, I, I got uh, my own quick plug. Uh, we had uh, Bob Smith on the last couple episodes uh, for our podcast. I appear on his podcast, the Outdated Wrestling Podcast, that I think drops this week. Um, talking. Um, you know, kind of comparing what it, what it's like working for PWI these days versus his days, um, discussion of both of you and, uh, uh lots of fun. So, uh, check that out when it drops later this week. Uh, what else, Kevin, anything we want to promote? I would just like to thank both of you for doing such great work in 2023. And I, I look forward to working with you in 2024. You're, you're wonderful, talented, good people. So thank you. Thank you. Work won't be as good in 2024. I'm telling you now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking it easy this year. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much. We'll do it again soon.